Welcome to Saitong! Rachel just leaned away from the microphone. <laughs> this is like 3D space. I'm Rachel Morgan. I'm the creative director for the Sidewalk Film Festival and Cinema. And I'm Corey Kraft. I'm a programmer for the Sidewalk Film Festival and Cinema. And uh, this is Side Talks. It's a podcast we do, and it's about all things cinema. So buckle up. We're going to talk about some movies, y'all. Get ready for a five-minute fight. Five-minute. Round one. Fight. Okay, Corey, I'll tell you what. It is time for a five-minute fight. It's about to get real contentious in here. Is the clock ticking? Okay, because I'm going to lose this fight. I already know it. I don't care. I am standing by my opinion here. What is this fight about? Go ahead and go ahead and lay it out for everybody. Uh, it's about uh, puppies, Christmas, uh, all things good and and noble and true in this world. No, it's it's about Greta Gerwig's Lady Bird, uh, the 2017 indie sensation that is essentially the <laughs> recent cinematic equivalent of puppies and rainbows and and good things. Um, I'm here to ruin your day. I, I'm, I'm baffled. Mm. I'm baffled you by be. why you don't like this movie. You shouldn't be. Okay, first of all, this movie's fine. It's just fine. Mm. I'm not here to tell you that this is a terrible movie. I'm not here to tell you that kittens suck. I'm here to tell you that this film is just okay and it's highly overrated. I'm also not here to say, I mean, look, I'm super happy happy that Greta Gerwig did well for herself. She's a, she's um. Oh, I don't know. She's an alumni. I'll just put it that way. She's an alumni. She's been to Sidewalk before. I don't have any ill wishes towards her. I think she's a very talented young woman. Um, she's a great actress. Um, and I, you know, it's just not that great. Counterpoint, yes, it is. And um, I, I don't really have much of an argument past that. Okay, well, it then I can so take it from here. I no, can take well, it from here. I'll say this. It's really sharply written. It's really is sharply it? directed. Is it? It's got terrific performances not only it? from it what I, again like what i mean i think it's all fine i think it's all laying at a mediocre level oh my god i think that the script is is okay ah. i think that the stakes are, are presented to be much higher than they really are ah. i think the characters are very flat there's certain things ah. there's certain things that really annoy me like her jumping out of the car that feels either just either that's just for the purpose of a trailer or it's it's just it's outrageous it's, it's like it, a it's, you know fun joke it's not and a comedy fun. it's actually not fun, fun or funny i'm like funny. okay this is just kind of dumb um I don't, i'm you know let me see what else i can say about it i more than anything i can't believe how overrated the film is it's fine it shouldn't be in the canon disagree it, it really shouldn't i think it's i think it's excellent i think it's sort of um one of the most meaningful and really and sharp and consistently funny coming of age stories that comes from a real genuine place and it's got all these just tremendous performances Saoirse Ronan Laurie Metcalf Lucas Eh, Hedges they're fine Tracy Letts I mean the entire ensemble is just on fire here and the dialogue crackles and everything about it is just so funny and moving. I mean, I went expecting to see the film you're describing. I went to the theater expecting to see that movie because that's what everybody told but, me I was going to see. And when I got in a seat and I watched it, I went, eh, it's just okay. The, it, I don't have any problem with a film where the stakes are really low. You know me. I love John Hughes. 
Mm. The stakes are like, are, is this person going to go to the dance with me? I'm cool with that. But what I don't love is when it's presented to me that the stakes are so freaking high. And really, this is just kind of a spoiled brat. It's just kind of a bratty character. But isn't who's part of not the journey that, of the movie her realization of that? Is it? Her accepting of her parents, her accepting of her no. parents' sacrifices. Oh, whatever. Her I'm bored out of finding, my skull with that. Why? I this don't is know. What I also cinema don't, is. Well, I, I also don't understand don't, this. I also, oh, how are you now, gonna, you're, now you're how saying you this is what like, cinema uphold, is? Pretty in Pink as this great gold standard for coming of age films, because and then it see is. its spiritual <laughs> successor, Lady Bird, and just dismiss it entirely. I'm not dismissing it. I'm saying it goes into the box. Nobody heralded Pretty in Pink to to that degree when it came out. Everybody went. Well, they this are is sure as shit doing it now. A lot and of this folks is, are. And this is because of, because things like Lady Bird follow in its footsteps. But they things like Lady Bird take the baton and I'll say mm, it improve upon no, it, improve no, upon no, it, make no, it far wrong. more realistic and interesting than realistic. anything John Hughes ever did. Oh yeah, the, the rolling out did. of the car is so realistic. I also don't think it's realistic that she listens to Alanis Morissette. Who is this character? Are you serious? Who is it? She's a teenage girl. She's circa a teenage girl. Anytime you know, yeah, in the past. exactly. 20 years and what are you saying i think that somebody who they're sort of it's it's a mixed messaging of personality it I, really is no I it's disagree. a mixed messaging of personality. i'm like is she is she sort of quote unquote alternative or is she not i'm trying to figure out where she lands in the world it seems like a, it seems well, like so a ju- is she it that's seems the like point this, of the movie what are you se- talking about i don't think that's the point of the film i think that teenagers have more perspective than that mm. i also think that it's a case of like i really want to make an alanis morissette joke so i'm going to have her listen to alanis morissette but, more than it, what the character would actually really do Oh my gosh, that sounded beautiful. It's the heart. I like that a lot. Oh, I'm 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 not done I with this. I said I was prepared I, to lose. Ugh. I don't really give a shit. I, but now I'm ang- like I'm sweating. It's like, like me I'm and sweating. one. It's like me and one critic that don't like this film. Everybody else is gonna is just gonna go crazy over it. Fine, I don't care. Because standing it by rules. It, it, it doesn't rule. It's so good. I, I always know. love I love it when we end a fight and and the word is like thank god that's over. <laughs> I've I've mm, I've known teenagers like this. I currently know teenagers like this. I went to school with teenagers <laughs> like this. That criticism in particular is off base <laughs> along with the rest of them. All right, Sam. Uh, I feel like I need a referee. Also, how old suit. is the actress? She's in her 20s. So she's in her 20s when she plays a teenager. That seems Oh, that's yeah. never happened before. Can you believe it? <laughs> I was criticized, though. You, I'm just simply saying. Melrose Place? Like, I love Melrose Place. <laughs> also, they're not in high school at Melrose Place. Well, whatever. Corey, we need, to get, we, we need to talk. Corey's voice picking up from the corners. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Rachel, what did Greta Gerwig do to you? Um, Corey says there's no need to argue because it's so self-evident. So 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 self evidently good, and it is. Um, I th- I'm going to say Rachel gets minus twenty thousand points bec- for saying the the um, type of debate. Okay, let me start over. Um, Rachel gets minus twenty thousand points for going the sort of immature route of saying, "Is it though? Is it? Is it? Does it?" Um, which was hilarious, but ineffective in a debate. Um, it shouldn't be in the canon. I think it should. Uh, Corey says it's a meaningful and sharp coming of age. It is a genuine coming of age story that isn't blown out of proportion with smugness like John Hughes films. And yeah, sometimes the A24 hype machine can absolutely damage a film. But and for this one, I think it absolutely lived up to the hype. Um, and How's that possible? <laughs> 
Rachel said nobody heralded Pretty in Pink like this because it just wasn't as good as Ladybird. And Sakori gets a million points for sweating while defending Ladybird and unequivocally wins. Shocker. <laughs> I called it. I called it to begin with. Sorry That's you a, hate good things. This oh, is what happens when you hate sorry good things. I ha- sorry I have the unpopular perspective Just here, but it's unpopular, I stand by it. It's right or principle. Oh, I didn't say that. And now, a look at what we're watching this week. So, Rachel, what are you watching these days? You know, ooh, that's a tough one because I haven't watched a whole time, but I'm going to start with this one. So get ready to get really, really angry and pissed off and annoyed. What else is new? I know, I know. So I, I, I went out of town to uh, on a non-work trip, which is unusual, and I went to the beach with a friend of mine, Candace Murdoch, who um, you know, and uh, she it was her it was her birthday. I'm not going to say her age because that would be impolite, but she she turned a certain significant age, um, and so we went to the beach for her birthday. And her parents, um, it's her parents' place, mm-hmm. and um, they so. On, at their place, they've got a television that's got all the little stuff, you know, the little apps and whatever else, smart TV, right? But I usually bring a projector with me and screen films outside, but it was a little too cold to do that, believe it or not, in Florida. Um, so we were we were tasked with finding something on the smart TV that would we weren't didn't want to sign into any of our apps or whatever, and so there we went through. The free movies, because her dad's got a big thing about paying for films, <laughs> which seems to be a problem that a lot of people have. So we went through, and I was like, give me that remote control. I'm going to find something. So this is a very long way of telling you, but I landed on a really terrible film intentionally. Okay. And that really terrible film that I landed on is a film called The Perfect Man. Is that the... Wait, who's in this? Hillary Duff. And Heather Locklear? And Heather Locklear. You got it. Yeah, I've seen this. This is the biggest piece of shit movie I've ever seen in my life. I started screaming at the screen four minutes in, but we watched the whole (laughs) damn thing. It's so terrible. There are so many moments. You kind of need to see it if you haven't. I know you have, but if if you haven't, I, I, I recommend is a weird word to use here, but I think you should see it. It's one of the worst pieces of shit ever. Then we looked up and we discovered it made millions and millions yeah. of dollars. And it's lifetime level, lifetime level film. It also has Big in it. I don't know what that actor's name is, but I call him Big from Sex and the City. Oh, right. Um, he's Big as far as I'm concerned. There is nothing in this film that even grazes next to reality. Like it doesn't even... It doesn't even brush up against reality. It's absolutely terrible. There's one scene in particular where a CD is given to her and she puts it her as in the mom. Uh-huh. This is Heather Locklear plays Hillary Duff's mom. So a CD is given to her through this, um, as you might have already guessed just from the name of the film and knowing Biggs in it. There's a like convoluted, I'm going to try to set mom up with this gentleman type and there's a CD handed to her, and she puts it on, and some real canned song comes on, and she immediately stands up, and all of them start dancing in the living room. Oh, wow. And it then that becomes her favorite song. So, like, he was able to select her favorite song through the CD that's going to be the favorite song. for, And it's mentioned several times. Like, he, he knew her favorite song. He gave her her favorite song. That is the sort of tone of the entire damn thing. Yeah. So I watched that. I remembered nothing about this movie though I, I know I've seen it. Um, I'm sorry you had to do that. <laughs> I mean, now, in its defense, I could have hit stop at any point in time 
we could have moved on to something else at any point in time. But um, I did a live commentary, and I stand by that. Yeah, well, that's that's always fun for something. Maybe I don't know. So if you're in a if you're in a, a dark place, um, maybe see the perfect man. Maybe that or, may take you to a, that may take you darker, or it may take you. I can't tell you. I, can't, I don't know. Or you could not do that <laughs> and watch a good movie like I just watched. Um, I mean, okay, admittedly, I've been watching a lot of bad movies, too, because I got a stack of Blu-rays from the library of, of stuff from this year that I've missed. And I've just been kind of going through it. Like, I know you've seen, I finally watched this Emilio Estevez movie, The Public. I know oh you've seen it. Oh, my God. Um, you know what? Not that many miles away from The Public is Perfect Man. Um, probably not. I'm, I'm going to have to agree with you there, because that's, that's I didn't think very highly of the public. 45 minutes too long, a library that no women work in, and Emilio's making films exactly like he did in 86. Yeah. That's my summary. It's not good. Um, But that's not the movie I want to talk about because (laughs) I took a break from that stack of library movies to watch a new Netflix original, um, new as of the time of this recording, called Dolomite Is My Name, uh, directed by Craig Brewer, the guy who did Hustle and Flow. Uh, and it's kind of a comeback for Eddie Murphy, who stars as Rudy Ray Moore, the, um, I guess, infamous uh, sure. sort of black exploitation parody star of Dolomite. Um, and many others. And yeah, a bunch Disco of other Disco Godfather and uh, other favorites. This movie charts his rise to fame from these very, very blue comedy albums, most of which were recorded on the cheap, most of which were sold. I mean, the initial record was at least sold out of his car to a very, you know, narrow urban black audience, right? But it caught on with this urban black audience sure. and, and sort of catapulted him to a, a degree of fame or at least infamy. You know, he was never a crossover star, right? But he used this to make a very low budget uh, black exploitation comedy called Dolomite. Uh, and this is a sort of let's get the band together and make a movie story. And I have a soft spot for those. Sure. This was written by uh, the two screenwriters who wrote Ed Wood, another great example of that sort of subgenre of dreamers going off to try to make it big on the big screen. Um, I love Ed Wood. This isn't quite as good as Ed Wood, but it's an absolute delight, a really joyous time uh, at the movies. Murphy's terrific. Or at the couch. Or at the couch, unfortunately, yeah. Um, you know, it's been a while since Eddie Murphy has had a role like this that he yeah, really sink the, his teeth into. I can't even remember the last time I saw that gentleman. I mean, he was kind of stuck in family film purgatory for most oh, of the— that's why. Well, for most of the century so far, to be honest, with the exception of, like, showing up in a supporting role in Dreamgirls or something like that. But— this is probably the best thing he's done in a really, really long time. Uh, and, and the movie itself is just exuberant, just with the joy of, you know, not only these these very dirty yeah, jokes that, that are being told pretty much constantly, but just the joy of, of cinema. I mean, it's one of those, like, let's celebrate the movies sort of movies. And he's surrounded by this great ensemble. I want to highlight Wesley Snipes in particular, who is just playing the film's director, Derville Martin, like a space alien. He is such a fantastic weirdo. Um, they're both terrific, and, and the, the rest of the cast is too. So it's just a great time um, that I really, really recommend. Um, and uh, that's not all of what I've been watching, but the best thing 
that I've been watching. Well, that's cool. As good of a time as you as you had watching that, there's no way you had as good a time as Heather Locklear had when that song on the CD played in Perfect Man, just so you know. Probably not, no. And now we'd like to welcome Charlie Brown Sanders III to the studio for his segment, Film History Minute with Charlie Brown. Today I'm going to talk about the film Haxon, released in 1922. Haxon was written and directed by Benjamin Christensen. After the First World War, Christensen, a Danish actor who directed two well-received movies, Mysterious X in 1914 and Blind Justice in 1916, decided to research the history of witchcraft and necromancy in Europe for his next movie. In 1921, he persuaded a Swedish production company to finance his production. With an eventual budget of 2 million kroner, approximately $250,000, it's probable that Haxon was the most expensive silent movie ever made in Scandinavia, and certainly one of the most controversial. Haxon documents and reenacts the supposed satanic and occultist practices of medieval witches, but does so under the guise and sheen of authenticity, not telling viewers where truth and fiction separate. With a documentary style and scholarly tone featuring a number of photographs of statuary, paintings, and woodcuts, this style of narrative feature would have been entirely novel for its time. In fact, the dreamy, atmospheric soundtrack sounds almost contemporary by today's standards. To capture a more sinister experience, the film was shot entirely at night, almost unheard of at the time. Christensen is quoted as saying, The film deals with the dark side of human nature, and when the sun was shining during the day, it was not possible to bring out this side in the actors. Christensen himself makes an appearance in the film as the devil. For a scene featuring flying witches, the crew constructed a giant carousel containing more than 250 model houses. It took 20 men to crank it as the camera filmed the moving landscape for the lower part of the screen. Christensen's narration is sympathetic towards the innocents caught up in witch hunts. He claims eight million men, women, and children were slaughtered, and he points the finger at the Catholic Church for getting caught up in such superstitious tomfoolery. Unsurprisingly, the film caused outrage on its release, offending the usual religious groups. An excerpt from a 1922 Variety review says, Wonderful though this film is, it is absolutely unfit for public exhibition. It's fascinating to consider that Haxon was produced when cinema as a medium was barely two decades old. It's hard to imagine the experience of seeing this haunting film in the theater in 1922. Today, nearly a hundred years later, it still maintains its avant-garde quality, especially as nothing like it was ever or could ever be produced again. What's this shit? Jumping right into it. All right, let's hear it. I'm on the tread. I'm working out. A uh, little note of laughter there. And on the screen, you're going to get it right away, I think. Okay. Pretty quickly, at least, I think. There's a boxing ring. Hmm. It's in color. Mm-hmm. Pretty colors. It's like nice and vivid. And what do I see? Is that an old bag of like leather? Like a leather bag of leather? Is that a burlap sack? Oh, no. That would be Sly Stallone's face. Okay. And he's coaching. Because clearly he was not capable of getting in any kind of fighting shape. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And he's coaching, um, you know, a boxer. Michael B. Jordan. I don't know. Are you Are you already getting it? I mean, it's... Because I'm, I'm going to give you the clue that's going to throw okay, it over. Okay, go time. ahead. Uh, Brigitte Nielsen is in, the, is in the audience. So it's Creed 2. Okay. 
Creed 2 specifically. Yeah. I was impressed with her being there. And then, yes, indeed. So during the fight, you know, the I guess it was um, Creed lands on the ground mm-hmm. and, and can't get up and, and then sees his. Is it was it is it Miss Huxtable? I swear it looked just like yeah, Miss Huxtable. Yeah, I think it is Felicia Rashad who so plays his mom. He sees her and it and it inspires him to get up. And then I'm on the treadmill and right next to me is a is a big dude on the treadmill. He, he gets on after, selects the treadmill right next to me, which I don't understand this kind of thing, but he does. And so he's on there. You know, he's doing definitely a lot more working out than I am, but I'm, you know, trying to get the, the what's this shit for you. And so he pushes himself up off of the boxing rink in the film. And, and then the guy's like, what's your name? What's your name? We're not going to let you fight unless you tell us your name. And then he goes like, I'm Creed. And I busted out laughing and the dude next, the juicer next to me was so fucking pissed off because he was like, really, he was like, that's fucking Creed, dude. I mean, it is. That's Adonis Creed. So I should not have laughed because I, I I mean, you know, that dude could have quickly ended me. So Creed (laughs) 2, in Creed 2, Adonis Creed uh, takes on the son of the man who killed his father, Ivan Drago's son. Can we hate Russia again? I mean, that's kind of what Creed Two is about, I guess. It's I time. I, I it's actually time. have to say, I love the Rocky movies. I love Creed. I have not seen Creed Two yet. But you still knew it. Yeah, well. Well, that's what's the shut. And you know what, Corey? I'm Creed. <laughs> when you see it, you're not going to like it. I bet I will. <laughs> <laughs> At the 2019 Sidewalk Film Festival, Corey, you know what we did there? We got tricky. Well, I mean, we did a lot of tricky things. We played movies. We did. That was fun. We had special events. Uh, Numerous special events. We poured drinks. We also did these interviews that we're going to play for you now. Well, one of them. A whole series of interviews with visiting filmmakers uh, coming to the festival. So what's this first interview? So this first interview, um, and we had some help because we need it. Um, And that is that Melody Sisk uh, and Bridget Wheeler, but in this particular instance, Melody Sisk uh, interviewed uh, the wonderful, lovely, amazing, talented Farrah White, who is an incredible producer, um, incredible director, but also an amazing actor. And um, she was at Sidewalk with, she's been, she's been to Sidewalk many times as a juror and filmmaker, but, um, and and as an actor as well. In this particular instance, she was here with two short films. And uh, Farrah, we love you. We love you. We love you. And uh, this is the interview with her. Hi, Farrah White. Hi, Melody Sisk. <laughs> How are you, darling? Good. Well, it's good to have you back at Sidewalk Film Festival. Thank you so much. I am so freaking excited to be here. I mean, I love coming every year, but this year is a, it particularly special. That's right. These, this is your first time here with, uh, with films that you've directed, correct? That is absolutely correct. And, and not just one, no, but two. Two. That's huge. It's huge. I'm actually, uh, I was floored. Uh, I even think I teared up a little bit, and I'm not a big baby or anything. But, uh, you know, even my hometown festivals, which there are several, didn't play both shorts. Sidewalk played both shorts. So, Sidewalk. I knew that Sidewalk was my family, but now I I really know. So, I've been been incredibly lucky and very grateful. You had one of your screenings today. How did did that go? It went great. Yeah? It went great, yeah. And which one, which one screened today? The suspense thriller, which is By the Dark of Night. 
I think I've seen a, a, a couple photos from that shoot. God, it's beautiful. Oh, my goodness. It and I can so say cool. that because it was kind of a, a part of it was a gift from God. Uh, it started pouring rain. Yeah. And we knew it might rain. And we had a little bit of rain in it already, but we had no idea that it was going to just unleash. But uh, it would not be the film that it is had it not. I so look forward to seeing it. I can't wait. I'm yeah. so sorry I missed it this morning. We were um, doing the live podcast, actually, with this, the full side talks. Rachel and Corey arguing, doing nice. their five-minute fights, the it whole out. thing. Good. It was great. Super well, fun. I, I know someone who can send you some links. All right. Great. Shh. Don't tell anybody. I promise not to share. Don't tell anybody. Never share them. You never got them. <laughs> I wink, never wink. got them. Yeah. We, don't, we can cut this. <laughs> winky, winky. They don't have to put this on mm-hmm. here. Lots um, of wings. Well, tell us about your other film that's screening tomorrow, Sunday, of Sidewalk. Yeah, so tomorrow is a kind of awkward coming-of-age story. Uh, and I left it pretty open-ended, so you kind of don't know if it's just a very reclusive, insecure young lady, or if you're seeing the beginning of a future furry. Ooh. Someone who's going to embrace the furry lifestyle. <laughs> Oh, that sounds awesome. Thanks. I always wondered about furries. Yeah. Somebody, I think Rachel was recently at like a convention of some kind or some some hotel where there was a furry convention in. And I was like, wow, that's nuts. And I, apparently there's some really interesting stuff going on with, with the psychology there. So I'm embarrassed to tell you how much I know about this subject. Well, um, I would hope so. I know, God. But the, uh, I guess 12, 15 years ago, I was going to do a short doc called Around the Fur and was going to go with a production team undercover to a furry convention uh, because when I had first heard about it or seen it, I was just fascinated. And of course, uh, you know, what you hear and what I thought was just all these like, you know, people dressed up in costumes and they were all scurrying and it was, you know, massive crazy parties and, Mm -hmm. you know, all this stuff. well, it ended up the producer's wife and the production company, uh, she got super pissed off when she found out what we were shooting. So she kind of oh. botched the whole thing. But we did go, and I can say, just on behalf of furries everywhere, that it really was a very, very small percentage of people who yeah. used the furry outfit as a kink. It's right. really more just people who love being a mascot and are truly empowered by yeah. dressing up as someone else in the same way that all of these other cons are, uh, sure. you know, where people want to put costumes on and they want to play different characters. And it's the same thing, only I've also worn a couple of costumes for various things. And uh, it's, it is. Yeah. It's fun to be completely hidden. You know, no one knows who you are. You've got that giant head on. and it, you, Totally. You know, it's very liberating. I mean, I bet there are some famous furries out there. I bet there are people like Angelina Jolie, maybe, who, who just wants to know what it feels like to be anonymous I'm for five tell minutes. You, if I was if an I were A-list, her, I'd do it. Hell yeah. Why not? Undercover, bitches. Yeah. Yeah. And think about, you know, something that Rachel mentioned. I think it was Rachel. So whoever it was who was just recently at this uh, ran into this furry convention is also that a lot of people are just very, very shy. Yeah. Or very insecure for whatever reason. Yeah. And it allows them to, like, come out of their shell in a different oh, way yeah. because they can just, like, be a panda. Yeah. You give them a wolf head and a sword and they're a whole different person. <laughs> it's magnificent. So, yeah. I just think it looks uncomfortable. Well, it is like very it hot. hot it is there. hot. It is very hot. I will say that. It's not. And I, unfortunately, had uh, got conned into wearing one of those suits. It was a panda, actually. Really? Was it? No, 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 no. 
It was Rachel a koala. A it was a koala. A koala. I went with us an Australian friend of mine to a party, and so I had to be the koala um, because she had got the koala outfit. So whoever she got invited was going to wear that. And so I was like, okay. But there were all these children around, so I couldn't take off the head because I thought they would be mortified. They would be. By I was the way. sweating my ass off. I was literally thought I'm going to die. And you couldn't. You can't have a drink or anything. No. So it's pretty intense. It's a pretty serious job. Well, you know, here in Birmingham, Alabama, there is a bar called Atomic Lounge where they actually do rent these outfits. So, like, you can buy when you get your drink, you can give them a credit card and pay a small fee, and they'll give you a suit, and you can wear the suit around for the evening and uh, and have your cocktail. So, you should really you should really have an unofficial after party tomorrow and at least take a couple friends and go have a drink and throw on one of those costumes support rachel and faisal who are wonderful folks who've been really majorly supportive of the new sidewalk cinema help them put together their bar program and all of that so yeah super cool had i known that uh (laughs) that would have happened period end now that i know that exists i'm just gonna have to figure out what date my favorite is the squirrel oh squirrely huh squirrely there's elvis yeah Yeah, there's giraffe. I think there's a giraffe. I personally, I'm a big fan of the squirrel. It's got a giant tail. It's real cute. So, and and there is a a weird history here. Years ago, I did a movie uh, with several people. Gary, it was Gary Coleman's last movie. No way. Poor Gary Coleman. Oh wow. He had a hard knock life. That guy. Yeah. Um, But it was Gary Coleman's last movie. Ron Jeremy was in it. It was this really bizarre movie called Midgets versus Mascots. You're kidding. I'm not. And you were, you, and just for, for everyone, Farrah White is not just a director. Uh-huh. She is also a very prolific actress who is in Miss Congeniality, among other things. Well, uh, which is one of the few that you actually get residuals for. But I will say this um, my part got cut out. So I didn't have to admit that to any of you people. I'm making myself vulnerable and exposed on oh. this podcast because uh, it's not, a, I mean, it's one of those movies, if you have no expectation, of course you're going to laugh. It's not making fun of anybody. It's a contest about people trying to get money. So it's just ridiculous and right. slapstick. The, this is the one that you're talking about, the film with Ron Jeremy. <laughs> yes. Okay, just to be clear, that is <laughs> yes. not Miss Congeniality. Yes. Different, different plot. Different, different, <laughs> totally different. Um, and I have to tell you, I was very disappointed. I asked him a few questions that I thought he would be able to really help me out with. Uh-huh. And he, he didn't have much insight. Really? I was shocked. Yeah, I kind of thought he would know everything about everything. If you know what I mean, like everything. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I don't know. And he, he, no, he didn't. And he was also incredibly polite. Yeah. And very friendly and not flirtatious. And I, you know, I walked away from there, you know, much in the same way that, I, you know, I've worked with other people in the porn industry, actually, one yeah, other film made in particular. Yeah, we made a film together. And who ended we, up being a much more nice and decent human, yes, probably, Yes, we worked with Michelle Sinclair, also yes. known as Belladonna. Beautiful. Who is a wonderful human being and about as kind soul. and lovely as a human could be. Like, that taught me major life lessons. I was recently in a sex shop, and I was, like, you know, in the back area, and I cannot tell you how many products there are with, with Michelle's lovely face on them. So she's she making is, the dough. She is making some Good serious girl. dough. I'm Good like, girl. hey, I'm very sex positive. You make that money, honey. I'm going to tell you. She, she's she, great. If anyone uh, deserves to, that oh. lady is the nicest lady. She Do you really, remember how nice great. she was to every PA, to wonderful. every assistant, to every everyone? Learned everyone's names right away. It was yeah. so, so lovely yeah. and gracious and easy and just happy and sweet to be around. And It makes sense. Was a, was a great actress yeah. as well. Really did a great yeah. job. No, she I, did. I loved being in scenes with her. It was, she a, did. it was a big blast. I would totally put her in something else. Oh, my goodness. Yes. In fact, also, I just, so I just randomly shot this, um, uh, produced this little 
video, we're calling it a music video, but in reality, I mean, it is a music video because it's a video set to a specific song that we, but we cleared the rights for that I song. I love that. Rather than it being uh, like performed by the band. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's called Meant to Fly. And we, um, but we did it for a local aerialist performer named Cindy Gilmar, who's in, who's very, very talented and um, has this, did this beautifully choreographed piece. And it's a really cool video. It looks gorgeous. Um, but it reminded me of Michelle, who actually does travel and go to sort of like conventions mm-hmm. and um, yeah, used does to be, was a, also a pole dancer for many years and is yeah. an incredible pole dancer. Yeah. Does some of that work in our film as well. Right. Um, which is called The Ladies of the House, where yeah. Farrah and I co-star and play. Yes, we do. Play naughty, naughty ladies. Melody was my lovely wife. I was. Mm-hmm. Not that look. <laughs> not that lovely. <laughs> well, I don't know. I would say I would say out of the two, I was kind of the worser that's, one. That's true. Maybe uh-huh. you were. I was yeah. really just like pop, trying to take care of my family. You were just, just lippy. Papa. Mm-hmm. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, on that note, all right. So, uh, so it, because we're probably not gonna. Um, this won't be on a segment that's sure. ha- this weekend or, you know, sure. sidewalk will be passed yeah, yeah. by the time that people hear this. Can you just tell us what other festivals you're, you know you have coming up for your for your films or at, at anywhere people can find them or how you want people to interact with, with sure. your work? Sure. So I'm guessing that um, they'll probably end up on online soon. I'll go ahead and open up uh, the Vimeo sites uh, for both of them. And I have several other things uh, that are on there that I've shot, shot because I've started directing commercials as well now. Awesome. So, yeah, as soon as I leave here, I'm going to go back and do one for a week for a casino. But, uh, yeah, I'm excited, and I'm really enjoying the process. I've always enjoyed pretty much every aspect of filmmaking, but I'm really, really enjoying the writer-director part. And um, I know you're a great writer and director, too. It's just it's that whole thing of having to do it. So last oh, yeah. year, yeah, last summer, my dad was sick, and I knew he was sick, and I knew he was about to get real sick, and then yeah. I, I didn't know how long that was going to last. Uh, so I went ahead and made myself uh, in August last year do one weekend, one short, skipped a weekend, shot the next short the next weekend, and just got it out. And Huge. I'm so glad I did. Yeah, and he's since passed, and you know I knew all of that was going to be a, a a process, but I'm so happy that I did. And also, there's little remnants of uh, him kind of in there mm. because I use different different things, and you know how it is. You beg, borrow, still <laughs> when you're making a, making a short film. Um, so lots of different furniture and, or accessories or things like that. But uh, you just got to do it, you know. And finally, I've had these stories in my head for years, and I don't know why I never did it. You know, we help other people tell their stories. Yeah, Farrah's also a very talented producer in addition to being an actor and a director. So, yes, and a writer can literally do it all. I can glorify, beg like no other. (laughs) 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 Try to to make things happen. But uh, it's nice to get to have your turn at telling the stories. Yeah. And that's all we really want. I think, you know, everyone truly in this community should kind of just take turns. I don't know why people keep trying to pr- pigeonhole us in one position because if you're a great producer, you should help produce. If you're a great producer and I'm going to direct, then I want you to produce my film. And you know what? I know you're a good storyteller and director, so I want to help produce your film. Right. You know, it, and I feel like it should be that and it should be taking turns and it should be all about community because, you know, together we're everything. We're super powerful and much more talented trying to do stuff alone you know it's just impossible yeah well and there's we have a vast a serious need for female storytelling female directors in this business so Mm -hmm. those things only happen by beginning right and you have to give yourself those opportunities for sure i just recently did the did a scary thing and said to one of my business partners you know 
I actually want to be directing. That's what I want to do next. Yeah. Help me find. Yeah. Help me find the right script. So let's yeah. just let's just find. Let's just. And he was like, I will absolutely find you a really awesome short. There'll be no problem getting you in the director's shirt. I'm and I'm I'm ready. I'm at that point where I'm yeah. totally ready to do that. Yeah. So hopefully I'll be in your seat next year. You will be. At I have Sidewalk no doubt. 2020. No, I have no doubt. I have a funny side note. Um, I did a morning show. Uh, in my hometown to promote a festival where the, the one of the shorts had played in. And uh, I think I said the words, I don't know, how, it was a live show, so, you know, you just kind of stumble through it. But I think I said the words, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, it's a natural transition. I think I said that three times. And when I left there, um, there were a couple of ladies who had just become ladies or just, just outwardly become yeah. ladies. And all they heard was that. So I walked out of the studio and they were like, no way, girl, no way. <laughs> I was like, okay, full disclosure, no, not the tr- same Different transition. Different kind of transition, but. But, uh, but still, still a cathartic uh, change. Yeah. So anyway, Similarly I felt flattered. I felt flattered <laughs> that they even. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Thought that was, yeah. So that was very cool. It was very cool. I was very honored. Well, thank you so much for chatting with us today. Yeah, absolutely. Now, fast film terms. Fast film term. There, there it went. It was so fast. It just flew out the door. Yeah. Well, so much for that. You're going to be able to get this fast film term. Okay. I want you to tell everybody what the hell is a one-hander and a two-hander. Are we are we talking about in terms of like like performance? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah so, yeah. so it's um, usually a piece. A one-hander is a piece that is like a single person on stage, right? A two-hander is two people. So, like, a one-hander might be that Robert Altman, Richard Nixon thing, Secret Honor, where Philip Baker Hall is playing Richard Nixon in a room just ranting to himself. Or a two-hander might be Robert Eggers' The Lighthouse, where it's just Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson scowling at one another. Right. And so it's applicable to, to theater, but it's also applicable to film. And my guess is that, that that term evolved out of theater. I would guess so, yeah. I'm not sure where the, the hand idea comes from, but... Yeah, one hand on a script. Yeah, okay. So anyway, there you go. That's our fast. That was fast. So now it's time for Kyle's Corner. Kyle McKinnon is a features programmer for the Sidewalk Film Festival and Cinema. He's going to take a few minutes to talk about whatever the heck he wants to. Hi, I'm Kyle. Terminator 2 came out in early July 1991 when I was 10 years old. And for a brief window of time, seeing it was the most important thing to me in my life. I remember seeing the teaser trailer playing before some other movie that my parents had taken me to. And in the teaser trailer, you see like the the creation of the um, robotic skeleton. And ultimately, there's a reveal that it's Arnold Schwarzenegger. And um, I mean, this basically just really, really spoke to me and told me that this is so important, even though really I'd only seen just like a few scenes out of the original Terminator. I, or at least I only remember the thing where he, he like digs a knife around his eyeball at that time. But I was sold. I was like, this, this is so important. Um, by early summer, the ads that had come out on TV, they showed more of like what's in store, including the T-1000 who c- could kind of go into like liquid metal mode. And the music video for Guns N' Roses, You Could Be Mine, started playing during the summer. And that, you know, came out several months before their double mammoth album, Use Your Illusion, came out. Needless to say, I was dead set on seeing T2. 
but there was a really big problem. And that was that my mom took a really firm stance against me seeing R-rated movies. I begged her and she refused. I thought of things like chores I could do and other kind of nice deeds I could do uh, to try to win her over. And um, that didn't work at all. And I swore that this would be the only R-rated movie that I would watch, and but still no. Um, now, just for context, my mom, she's the same person that like, I remember riding in the car with her and pulling up to Video Express, the video store, and I was admiring the poster for Friday the 13th, part six, Jason Lives, telling her I thought it looked pretty neat. And she told me that kids who watch those kind of movies grow up to be murderers. She heard that. Anyways, I found myself at my cousin's lake house and my parents really wanted me to learn how to water ski. And um, that wasn't really important to me. But, I mean, I tried it anyway, and I got close to getting up, but would always kind of just get drugged, and I would drag over the water and get fall right back in. But they insisted that I keep trying, and I got the idea that, well, I proposed that I would get up, I would successfully ski on the water if I could go see Terminator 2. And surprisingly, right then and there, they agreed. And, I mean, it really did give me the drive to commit to it, and I did get up on skis. It really worked, and it felt like a huge accomplishment. The, the really big thing besides learning how to ski was that I got the okay to CT2, and as the days passed, I would mention it to them, like, oh, I'm really looking forward to seeing the movie, and as time passed, I started getting a little bit of pushback, and it wasn't until that that upcoming Friday I... Uh, I mentioned to him, hey, is there, you know, when are we going to go see the movie? And that's when they kind of put their foot down and said uh, that it was too violent. They just decided it was too violent and I'm not old enough to go. So I locked myself in my room. Well, I think I probably shouted a little bit and then I locked myself in the room and they were um, just standing outside the door and me shouting back at them. And I took that time to pen an essay and my memory is that, so this, this essay is definitely does not exist anymore. It probably didn't last a day, but it was, my memory is that it was on like one sheet of notebook paper torn out of the notebook and it was written in black Sharpie. I could be wrong about that detail, but I think it was double spaced. Um, anyway, big air quotes, I wrote an essay on why I should be allowed to see the movie. And um, as far as my memory goes, the only thing I can kind of remember, the point I, I kept kind of trying to pound was that I was mature enough to handle the violence, that I've seen it all before already, and which is actually probably very true um, based on my history with my brother and sister and HBO and stuff and horror movies. So anyway, I slid the, the essay under the door and they read it. And I don't really remember what the next few steps are, but the sad and painful news is that we flash forward, and that night, I remember sitting and eating at Ruby Tuesdays for dinner with them, and then they took me to go see fucking Problem Child 2 at the Colonnade, which I really disliked. Um, so with all the huffing and puffing, I got nowhere. Um, but the silver lining is that uh, my friend John White lived a few doors down, and um, not very long after that whole incident, um, his mom offered to take him to go and he invited me and so i went and saw t2 that summer um without my parents knowing with no repercussions whatsoever and i really really love the movie my review is i like the first half better than the second kyle mckinnon is a feature film programmer for the sidewalk film center and cinema 
Thank you for listening to Side Talks. Corey, you're supposed to pick that up. Do I have to sing yes. as well? Yes. Uh, we're going to sing everything from here forward. Uh, I, I can't get on board with that. I, I'm sorry. People really don't love it. But it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we're your own personal Mr. Cotter. Okay. And Bobarino. Am I saying that right? I, as far as I know. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. <laughs> they can. <laughs> More singing. I know. Batwell Studios, you can add that right in there, please. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. Thank you so much. And that brings me to a thank you to Batwell Studios for having us here and for doing all that they do to add in things like that stupid-ass request I just made. And thanks to Splash96 for our great theme song. And if you've listened this far... We freaking love you. So thank you very much. Check us out on social media at Sidewalk Film on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, probably a bunch of other things too. Hashtag Rachel's right about Ladybird. No. Hashtag Corey's wrong about Ladybird. Hashtag Side Talks. That's the hashtag. Don't use these other confusing <laughs> hashtags. This is this Get is not this pen. is not right. Th- these are unsanctioned hashtags. Bye. Batwell Studios Podcast Division. Your words, our expertise.